week's episode of Discovering Trek is brought to you exclusively by Fansets. Later on in this episode, we'll have a special discount offer code just for Discovering Trek listeners. Discover a whole new universe of pin collectibles with Fansets online at fansets.com. Waiting, wondering, and lots of anticipation. Season two is far in our rearview mirrors at this point, but some of us are still trying to cope with the finale that sent our beloved crew nearly 1,000 years into the future. With season three filming already taking place and little snippets of information being provided to eager fans, it's time to take a look back at Discovery's sophomore season and talk about all the things we saw with Pike, Burnham, Spock, and, well, everyone else. Welcome aboard, everyone. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek. Welcome one and all to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Discovery Companion, presented by Fansets. As summer and STLV feel like distant memories, we can't help but continually think back to season two of Discovery. There were so many incredible moments and so many amazing episodes, it's still hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that as a result of the finale, the entire crew isn't even a footnote in Starfleet history. But hey, that doesn't take away from the fact that we got some incredible Star Trek stories all season long, and that is in no small part thanks to the incredible writer's room and the amazing cast that poured their heart and souls into the entire season. As always, this is the premier podcast for the most in-depth discussion and analysis about all of season two of Star Trek Discovery. Pike, Spock, The Enterprise, Control, Section 31, Arium, Talos 4, The Red Angel. The list goes on and on for all the great moments in the season, and we want to break it down here in the beginning of fall in this special bonus episode of Discovering Trek. And when I say we, well, this is the moment I get to introduce my trusted sidekick on this here podcast. He is my Robin to my Batman, the Gleek to my Wonder Twins. And dare I say, the Shauna to my Galt. He is my very special friend, my brother in Trek, and my amazing number one. He is Bill Smith. Bill, it's good to be back, good to be talking about season two, and I bet you would look really good in a silver bikini, buddy. I bet you I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> th- there's a there's a variety of things wrong with all of those descriptions, um, uh, not the least of which was Gleek. <laughs> or... Um, the the costume that Angelique Petty John wore in the Gamesters of Triskelion. Hey, buddy. Great to be back. I've never been a sidekick before, so I'm eager to see how this turns out. Do I get a cape? That's all I want to know. Uh, no capes. <laughs> oh, then I'm out. Okay. No, it's great. It's great to have you here. You know, it's been a long time since we've actually sat down to talk on Discovering Trek. And uh, uh, I really feel bad about that. But as as we discussed that we really needed to do something, we thought that it would be great to sit here and and talk about season two as a whole and just do a giant wrap up. Because as I mentioned before, season three is already filming. Uh, we got uh, a, a little bit of information at San Diego Comic-Con and a little bit more in, in Vegas. So uh, season three is coming and uh, we can't wait for it. Well, some might say it's been a long road getting from oh. there to here. I um. Uh, I think it's probably good that we waited a little bit of time. It's given me some time to rewatch season two mm-hmm. um, in sort of binge like fashion and not necessarily watch it from week to week. That may have changed my perspective on a couple things, or maybe it didn't. I guess we'll find out coming up soon. All right. Well, before we start that discussion on Discovery Season 2, Bill, why don't you tell all our wonderful listeners how they can get in touch with us to give us their thoughts on what they saw with this sophomore season? Ooh, sophomore, it's a big word for you. It is very big. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. On the Twitters, you can discover us at Discovering Trek and on ye old book of faces. You can follow us at facebook.com slash discovering trek. In either place, you can become part of the discussion, leave us comments, questions, or even your theories for Discovery Season 3. Don't forget, you can also send us a voicemail by going to our website at trekgeeks.com and clicking on the giant blue button on the right-hand side. Please do remember, though, that any comments you could leave might be used in a future episode of Discovering Trek. Dan. Thank you, Gleek. Black alert. Black alert. From here on in, this episode of Discovering Trek contains spoilers, so if you haven't watched Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery, first of all, um, why... Second, stop listening right now 
Head on over to CBS All Access or wherever you watch Discovery. Binge watch the entire season, then head back on over to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that puts you at risk to find out plot developments and character details for all of Discovery Season 2. Trainees, to the briefing room. Bill, welcome to the briefing room as we start our discussion on the season. Uh, let's first get some high-level thoughts. Um, I think for both of us, we can agree that the season was thumbs up. Uh, but I want to hear it right out of your mouth, man. Thumbs up, thumbs down, and why? Well, overall, I'm going to say it's a it's a thumbs up for me. There were some things I was disappointed in, in season two. But I feel the larger picture, they weren't enough to take away from my enjoyment of the series overall. Uh, I'll always feel like the finale has some serious plot holes, uh, but in rewatching both parts in one sitting, I feel like it plays a little better than it did with the one week break in between the two parts during the season. Season two does have some exciting writing and some incredible character development. And honestly, to me, that's what's most important in any Star Trek. Okay. Yeah, I can agree with that. I also gave the entire season uh, a thumbs up. It is no secret that I'm not happy with how the season ended. I didn't like the time jump to the future. But as I said the last time, uh, well, actually a couple of episodes ago when we talked about the finale, I'm hopeful that season three will change my mind. Uh, with that being said, I think the rest of the season was a tremendous thumbs up with all of the character development. And I especially have to shine the spotlight on Captain Pike. Anson Mount did a phenomenal job the entire season uh, with that character. I don't think there was one bad scene, let alone one bad episode with Anson Mount playing Captain, P Captain Pike. Um, and I can't change my entire vote on how I felt about the whole season based solely on that one episode and the events of the finale. So, so yeah, definitely a thumbs up for me as well. Um, it's interesting that you said that you have watched a uh, binged watch season two since the season ended. I have not actually done that. I've kind of stayed away from doing it. I don't know if it's because I want to do it more towards when we get a couple more trailers for season three, or if it's just because I haven't had the time or don't want to relive the events of the finale because it bothered me so much. But I like the idea that you said it gave you a little bit of a, a different view of the entire season. So I guess we'll see what happens when I watch it. Well, that's really all you can do. I mean, I figured that some time, some time in between when I watched it last and and when we recorded today would would probably be good. I'm glad I went through and binge watched it again. Um, there were some things I, I I picked up on last time and probably gave me the finale probably gave me more questions than it did mm -hmm. uh, when I watched it the first time. But there were other scenes that I was able to notice and focus on a little more. And see the value in those. And I think we'll okay. be talking about one or two of those in, in our discussion points. Yeah, actually, what we're going to do with this episode of Discovering Trek is we're basically going to just sit back and talk about our top five favorite moments and our bottom five favorite moments, if there were even that many. Um, I, instead of just going over a lot of the um, stuff that people already know about and what happened episode by episode, I thought it'd just be kind of interesting to get our, our high points and our low points. Um, so what, we're, what we'll do here now, I think, man, is we'll start with our top five. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot first, and I'm gonna, uh, we'll go back and forth with, with one each and just uh, discuss them a little bit. So what did you have for and, – and I will say before we start, none of these will be in any particular order for me, as in number one, number two through five. It'll just be top ones altogether. So uh, let's go ahead and start with you, and uh, let's have your first uh, top five discussion point. I'd say probably my first uh, – and for me, this is really a ranking when I put it together. I'd say okay. probably for me – um, if I'm thinking top five, my favorite of all the moments this season is probably the Culber Stamets love story and the resolution it comes to in the finale specifically. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's uh, probably the last set of scenes we see with those two characters this season. Stamets is brought into sickbay. He's on a bio bed. Culber starts attending to him and essentially says, you know, I was going to leave. I didn't leave. I'm staying. You're my home. Yes. And uh, talk about right in the fields, man. I mean, it, um, it was where you hoped Culber might come to at the end of this season. And it, it was the payoff I so richly wanted from his coming back. And I'm glad that it's there. I'm glad that they're going to face whatever they're going to face together. 
I like that you have that as one of your top fives because I know that uh, as the season progressed, we were talking about how, uh, at least on my side, I was a little bit disappointed in the reaction um, that um, Hugh was was showing everyone when he came back to life and, and the rage that he kind of had inside. And especially that scene in sickbay where he confronted Ash was something that I was kind of like, hmm. How is this going to get fixed? But you're right. They, they did a great job in that in that final scene with them in the finale. I got to say, Wilson Cruz just crushed it um, in every aspect of his character this season, even the parts that I didn't like that I just mentioned. But that one particular scene where you said, you know, you're, you're my home, both he and Anthony did great. But I really loved Wilson's performance. Agreed. Uh, it, it, it solidified for me that, you know, in the future, yeah, they're going to have some challenges but they're going to meet whatever they are together. And that's really what was most important to me in the journey of these two characters. Yeah, no, that's a great one, man. I really like it. I think for me, um, I didn't rank all of these, but I will go with what is my favorite moment uh, uh, of season two. I've talked about it. This is something that as dark as this may sound, this is something that I have wanted to see since I was a little kid, ever since the cage was on and we saw Pike in the chair and the scars and everything like that. And they talk, uh, uh, it was the commander uh, Menendez, I believe talks about the accident that took place on the training vessel. I've wanted to see that accident for some strange reason, my whole life. And in that particular episode, when Pike grabbed that time crystal and all of a sudden we were seeing what took place during the, uh, during the training mission with the Delta rays and the accident, and then seeing him in that chair with the sound of, of his breathing, that was the moment for me this season. I thought there were other ones that were the moment, but then this happened and it was unlike anything I could have ever expected. Um, I loved it. As a matter of fact, as soon as that episode ended, I sent a direct message tweet uh, to the writers of the episode because I was just so so excited. Bowie Kim did such a phenomenal job with that. And it was 50 years in the, in the making and it was worth the wait for me. It was a moment that I'll never forget in, in all of Star Trek. And I, I think I'm glad, like you said, that we got to see it. I'm glad that it was put together so beautifully and just uh, executed uh, with perfection. You know, that scene where you see Pike in the long hallway behind him and you kind of get this, you hear the breathing first and it's like, mm-hmm. oh man, this is it. They're going to show it. And then you get the payoff of that scene. It's, it's, it's beautiful. And for Pike to then decide to take hold of the crystal, knowing that it will seal his fate. He'll never know until the accident happens, what day that's going to happen. It could happen at any time. He's got to live with enormous weight on his shoulders now for the rest of his life. And he still chooses to do it because he wants to help the crew uh, in the fight uh, against control. So I just thought it was absolutely brilliant. And another uh, thumbs up outstanding moment for Anthem Mount. It was just awesome. So I think those are our two top moments uh, for the entire season. What else you got? Do you want me to run through the rest of my list briefly? Yeah, let's do that, and then we can hit high points on it. Sure. Um, The rest of my list uh, rounds up with these. Uh, Captain Pike and Anson Mount's performance overall. I think that there's a a gold mine there that is just untapped by CBS right now because we need a a Pike series more than anyone knows. Um, Next, I have the growth of Michael Burnham's humanity. You know, there was a lot of criticism this year that Michael Burnham cried in just about every episode, but Michael Burnham, the character is, is still learning how to be human. Right. And she's experienced a lot of intense emotion and situations this year. So it stands to reason that, that, that this is going to happen. Um, she's not used to a lot of this and this journey is really kicking the hell out of her. So, uh, next I have Saru's evolution overall as an arc. Um, there's one aspect of it I'm not really pleased about, which we'll talk about in bottom five, but as far as top five goes, he really has grown into somebody who should be the captain of the USS discovery. Uh, he's shown bravery. He's shown gallantry. He's shown that he can make decisions in the toughest of times. And I can think of no other qualification than to be the the master of that vessel. And then lastly, I have to round out my list with the sacrifice of Arium. Um, that that episode caught a lot of heat from some people because they didn't believe that the character had been developed enough. I think that it was done incredibly well. That scene was gut-wrenching, and when you realize what was going to happen, it truly was a loss, and I felt it, man. Um, it was like a kick in the gut, and I think it felt that way to the whole crew. So that's uh, that's sort of my bottom four. What do you think of that? 
I think uh, I think those are great um, bottom four of the top five. I guess we could call it. It's kind of cool. <laughs> I actually I actually like the way that you talked about the Arium aspect of it because I remember there were a lot of people that were upset, say, "Oh, we didn't know her." You know, we we finally get an episode where where we're focusing in on her, and then all of a sudden she's dead. Well, I can say that that happened on other episodes of other series like TNG and and DS Nine. Uh, look at Lower Decks and look at um, uh, look at. Um, the episode where the Bajoran girl um, uh, in Lower Decks, uh, she she ends up dying at the end of the episode, and we never saw her. Ex- you know, barely Cedar, ever saw her. Cedar Jaxa. Cedar, Cedar Jaxa, yeah. So so it's happened before. I, I actually think that that makes more for a gut punch um, when you're like, oh, we're finally getting to know this character, and she's great, and boom, she's gone. I mean, I I was okay with it. Um, I like that you had it in your top five. All of your all of your other four ones are great. The growth of Michael's humanity is is um, is an interesting one because you, you're right. I think we talked about the fact that she cried a lot. Um, I actually have the relationship between Michael and Spock as one of my top five moments, kind of as a whole arc between the two of them. You know, we get to see what caused that alienation, which at times I thought was a little odd because it happened when they were so young and it it caused such a wedge, but I can understand why based on the discussions that we've had on this show uh, after the fact. Um, The other ones that I had in my top five bill were the performances of Ethan Peck, Anson Mount and Alan Van Sprang. It was good to have guest stars in the season who really hit it out of the park. I loved Alan Van Sprang's portrayal, especially when he became taken over by control. He had this eeriness that we haven't seen since something like, oh, I don't know, Terminator or something that comes to mind. And uh, I really just like the the performances of all three of those gentlemen. All of the guest stars always do a great job, but these three really stood out for me. Um, another top five moment for me was just having the Enterprise uh, especially in the finale. We got to see her a little bit in the finale last season, in season one, and then we got to see her a little bit at the beginning of the season. But then we were on the Enterprise and we saw that bridge and and all those great memories came back. The modernization of the Enterprise and the bridge is something that I thought was fantastic. And as you said, we got to have a Pike series because that set cannot just go idly by and never to be seen again, and except in a short trek. Just can't happen. Um and the other thing that I wanted to put on my list, which was at the moment, I think the thing that was going to be the favorite moment of the season, but then the accident happened, was the return to Talos Four and Vina. That was a great episode from the beginning, which you and I both thought was amazing. I know that there were some people that didn't like it, but that whole retro beginning with Star Trek and showing the old Pike and, and ep- uh, moments from the cage just sucked you in instantly. I actually thought something was wrong with my playback at the time when it first started, when I first started watching it. Um, but uh, Talos four, the sounds, the, the plants, um, the Talosians, and then Vina. Uh, oh, it was just, it was a great, it was a great way to really honor um, the Pike storyline that we really only got to see once before in the 53 years of uh, Star Trek. So those are my top five, buddy. Those work fantastically for me, man. I mean, uh, Talos Four. I mean, that's that's a love letter to Star Trek fans right there. Yes, it propelled the story forward, but uh, it's a great wink and a nod to the fact that hey, guess what? Still canon, <laughs> and I love that with all my heart. Um, it's great to see the Enterprise. Um, it, I've I've been crushing over those, you know, the, the, that redesigned bridge, especially in the, the last few scenes when Spock goes over to the science station in his blue uniform. And, you know, turns the scanner on where you have the, uh, the sort of, you know, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the moiré effect, mm-hmm. uh, in the background. And of course you got the, the view, the, the viewfinder there on his, on his counter. I'm like right. going, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. it's, you know, just like, uh, killing me. And then, um, you, you brought up some great points with the performances of Peck Mount and Van Sprang. And I have to say, Alan Van Sprang kind of is, um, the unsung hero of, of this season. I mean, yeah. he had the, the incredible task of being, um, part good guy and then eventually part big bad, mm. you know, if you're playing a video game and he, he played it so well all season long, right up until the end. Um, 
uh, it'll be interesting to see if control really is neutralized. And I can only hope that we see maybe a little more of Alan Van Sprang in season three. I don't know. Be nice um, to see him again. He was good. And then the relationship between Michael and Spock. You know, we we recently met Ethan Peck at uh, Treconderoga up in yes. Ticonderoga, New York, uh, where he was appearing all weekend long. And um, he kind of put me on the spot when I said, you know, I, I love that what season two taught us. He goes, well, what did it teach you? And I'm like, ooh, hey. Um, but uh, there's it tells us a lot about redemption. I mean, you know, Kurtzman said that season two would be an examination of science versus faith. But in the end, I think it's a story of redemption because, you know, there are so many characters that are redeemed in that final episode. Amanda, um, Culber, Saru, and uh, most notably, Michael Burnham uh, in her relationship with Spock. I think that it, it teaches us that redemption is real. And, and, and buddy, I, I love all those picks. That's, that's a great job. No, thanks, man. Quick question, because you've seen it more recently than I have. At the end of the uh, finale, when when Burnham was on the outside and um, Spock was in the shuttle, were they on a hull of a ship or were they on some like asteroid? I, I forget. No, they were on the hull of, of some okay. vessel uh, because, you know, when they, they pulled out to a wider shot, yeah, um, you could see like electrical sparking on some of the, okay. the decks like it had been cut away. Okay. One of the things I wanted to say about that scene is something about this and something about um, – um, uh, one other aspect of, of the season is that moment was really something for me. Of course, my wife and I are watching the finale and they're sitting there talking and we're like both screaming at the TV. You got to go. You got to go. Hurry up. And she's crying. And he's when did you ever think in your entire life you would hear Spock say I love you to someone, even if it was in Vulcan? Never. And the fact that Vulcans even have words for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is kind of mind blowing. I loved it. Um, mm-hmm. but then, you know, there's multiple times in that finale or that, that series, season finale, pardon me, where you want them to, you want to say to them, guys, there's a war going on. Can we speed <laughs> this up it, a little? You see in the background, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're sitting there talking and this thing, explosions going yeah. off and everything. That's it, okay. Even before she leaves the discovery in the red angel suit. I mean, they're standing there in the shuttle bay going, <laughs> are you ready to do this? And then there's this nice long, you know, shot where the camera sort of comes around the side and Burnham, you know, turns around and steps back into the suit and it sort of forms around her. And it's like, really, we couldn't have done this five minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dramatic television is something. One other thing I did want to say as a, as a top five, one, a, it goes back to the Talos four episode, the special effects in this episode or in this season are just so amazing. This one in particular, when they're arriving, to Talos four and there's this giant black hole getting ready to suck them in, but it's just an illusion from the Talosians. That scene was probably one of the best special effect moments of the entire season. I thought it was gorgeous. I wish I could have watched this entire season in a movie cinema or a movie theater. I mean, um, just to see it on a huge, huge screen, like in 4k, that would have been amazing. Um, even just the two part finale would have been amazing in a movie theater. Um, I think there's things that we would have picked up on that maybe we hadn't seen in our 60 inch televisions, (laughs) but you never know. Uh, it really, we've been talking for two years now that Star Trek Discovery is cinematic in every way and, and special effects is certainly, uh, high up on that list. So we've got all those great top five moments, Bill, but there were parts of the season that uh, we might not have liked as much as others. I wouldn't say that they were bad, but there were some that made me kind of scratch my head. Um, so let's talk about those least favorite moments for a few minutes. Um, where do you want to start? Let's start with you again. I like putting you on the spot. Okay. Um, now I'm probably going to go with the the thing I thought was the weakest this season, and, and that's the finale. Um, there's there's a lot that happens and that's not a criticism, but I don't think that it's necessarily paced as well as it ought to be. And I think there's just some scenes that, that, that should have been spun off into their own uh, episode. Perhaps Um, I understand that we, we got this sort of retrospective of the, the six signals that Michael Burnham sets, um, you know, when she goes back in the past, I didn't necessarily need a guided tour of all of them because sure. as soon as we realized that she's the one who set them, that seemed kind of superfluous. But overall, I just, there's a lot of, to me, I think there's a lot of plot holes in that finale. And um, it's something I wish 
you know, maybe had, had been broken out a little more. I get that it was a, what a 14 episode season this year. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it would have been bad if they'd expanded it by one more like last season and, and perhaps drawn some of this out a little bit. I think maybe a three part finale might've been the right call. I might feel a little better about it. Okay. My bottom five moment for the entire season is similar to yours, similar to yours and that it does uh, relate to the finale. I just can't stand the fact that they just jumped a thousand years into the future. I still can't swallow that pill. It's been bothering me for months. Uh, the and, and the reason it bothers me so much, it's something that I still have a hard time articulating. I know I had a hard time when we talked about it before. I'm going to try to again. The fact that the out the real world writers of the of the show or not so much the writers but whoever makes these decisions decided that they wanted to get away from being stuck to have to deal with canon so what do they do they decide to shoot the crew off a thousand years in the future so they won't have to have that problem quote air quotes problem anymore and i think that's a cheap way to do it i think it's i think it's insulting to the characters of discovery and everything that they've done up until we saw them in season one and during season one and season two, the fact that they're not going to be talked about mentioned, they're not going to have any place in Starfleet history. They helped win the war um, at the end of season one, all of these things. Now it's as if they never existed. And to me, that's just a cheap way to get out of a problem. And as I said before, I hope that season three helps me feel better about the decision to jump to the future, but it's just something that I, I, I was very angry about. I'll be perfectly honest. I was really angry that they did it that way. I'm going to lay that one squarely at the feet of Alex Kurtzman. Um, because that's, you know, that's probably his call. He was the showrunner for most of the season, which meant he was in charge of the writer's room. Um, I, I, I look at it as, uh, they say it's to free themselves from the constraints of Canon. I say, if you write well enough, it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen plenty of good writing in season yes. one and season two of discovery that did not cause a problem with Canon. You can only cause a problem with Canon. Um, it, <laughs> if you choose to be bound by it, you know, there was plenty <laughs> in season one and two that didn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily part of Canon, but still stayed true to what had come before it right. in produced television work. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's, I, I, I use these words very carefully and, and, and I, I don't say these things lightly. I, I think it's a lazy excuse. Um, yeah, I, I, I think agree. that, <laughs> I, I think that, yes, I get it. Brian Fuller put them in a hole of, of making it a prequel. Brian Fuller put them in the hole of, of making it about the Klingon war. Brian Fuller decided they were going to do a mirror universe arc. Um, and, uh, but this season, you know, is all on is really at the feet of Alex Kurtzman. There were a lot of great things that happened during this season. Right. And I think that it, he should have taken a step back and seen the confidence of that and not necessarily taken the easy way out. Um, that, that's just the way I feel about it. Yeah. I mean, cause we see all these great things that happen. It's just a waste. Cause, cause nobody in the, in the Star Trek universe, nobody can ever talk about them. That's the way I look at it. And I just, I have a problem with that. I don't think it's a waste. Um, uh, you know, when I get to season three, I'm going to have to evaluate it. Like it's season one because it's essentially a brand new show. Um, uh, you know, it's, I, I, they, they clearly helped win the war. We know that. I mean, that that's really the in joke with the viewer, right? right? Or not the joke, but that's the inside scoop. We know what took place. We're here to remember them. You know, I'm sure there's plenty that's been stricken from the record in, in Starfleet history, like the mirror universe um, that obviously we come to know about again. There's nothing saying that we won't find out about discovery again someday in Starfleet's canon, if you will, to, to employ the term loosely, because if, if that short check from last year, um, Calypso is, is in fact, you know, a future part of discovery. In fact, if it's not a one-off story, we know the crew goes somewhere, right? If that truly is part of what happens to this crew at the end, we don't know if they wind back in, wind up back in our time or not. We know, or we presume at least Giorgio has to. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause we, she went ahead to the future um, and she's getting her own show. So something's got to, got to come about with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how they handle things with Laurel and Ash and people that stayed behind. 
um, as to how they're going to explain stuff. It'll be really interesting to see. And 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 again, because I don't know anything that's what's happening with season three, just the it, it left a bad taste in my mouth at the end of season two. And I'm hoping that, like you just said, you just gave great examples that we could see something come back and it could be brought back into canon. I hope so, for the sake of the characters that now are kind of in limbo for all eternity so i guess we'll see what happens i was thinking about this you know before you know when they jump ahead if i were on that ship the first thing i do is look up what happened to everybody i knew during my time and then i'm going to look up things like what happened to captain pike and then i'm going to go oh uh oh what happened to spock oh oh. yeah oh really right What, what what's romulus i i i think that a jump to season three could tell an interesting story provided it's something that's contained within that timeline and they don't necessarily pull a Voyager and say, okay, we got to try to get home now. Yeah. Um, I don't think they will, but like I said, I've got to evaluate season three now as a brand new show because I think if I'm continually trying to say, well, if they'd stayed in, in that pre-existing timeline, dot, mm-hmm. dot, dot. Right. I'm going to be optimistic. Uh, just the way I am, but I, I was, I was, you knew it, you saw it. We talked about it when we weren't recording. I was, I was major time bummed with how that finale went, but anyway, let's move along. Uh, what else you got for some, <laughs> some low moments uh, of the season? If we want to call them low moments, rounding out the, the rest of my bottom five, I'm going to go with the Spock tease. Um, <laughs> on purpose, because I feel like, you know, it's like, well, we t- it took six episodes to get to Spock. Come on, man. <laughs> they just they drag that out a little too much. Um, the whole May Ahern character. Um, oh. I, I think there's a better way we could have done this. The actress that played May uh, was was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't necessarily like. Um, I, I wasn't a fan of that part of the storyline. Um, I liked it once we got to you know the the, the mycelial network uh, of sorts, but uh, all in all, it, it seemed like a long way around the bases to bring Culber back. Um, and then I have to say, uh, the writing of Jet Reno, I remain one of the few people and I've taken a lot of heat for saying that I am not a Jet Reno fan. And that's because, uh, I just don't like the way the character is written. Um, she is overly acerbic. She has no respect for authority for senior officers. And, uh, she says things that a Starfleet officer wouldn't say. Um, that's it. I love Tig Notaro. Um, I get that, you know, they're, 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 they're Reno is kind of like Tig, but sure. I'm not necessarily looking for a character that just does Tig Notaro shtick in the future. Right. And then lastly, and the one that hits me in the heart the most is the loss of Saru's ganglia. Um, on Trek Geeks recently, we talked about what I've learned from Saru and, and we talked about this particular development with this character. Um, just because he's lost his ganglia doesn't necessarily mean he's lost all fear. And I hope that that's something that, the writer's room uses to their advantage. However, I thought that that ganglia gave him a sort of spider sense. And I thought that that was useful to his character. I thought that was something he needed to learn from. And now it's, it'll be interesting to see where Saru goes. Personally, that's just a, a, a thing that I didn't necessarily like in the season, but I, I still have, you know, uh, high hopes for what happens to Saru going forward. I think at the beginning I felt like, okay, they're doing this, so that they can expand his character because he's always kind of, you know, Oh, we can't do this because his ganglia pop out and make that weird noise. But um, I think once, once he lost them, it really gave the opportunity for Doug to really show us what he can do as an actor. He, you know, when he goes off and does things against the captain's orders um, and, and raises his voice, I thought that was re- those were really great moments that we wouldn't have got to see had the ganglia stayed. But at the same time, you saw the compassion and the fear when he was on the uh, enemy ship and the Red Angel was appearing. Those the, the look in his eye when he was focusing in on the Red Angel was really something. So I think he does still have that fear, like you said. But now I don't think it holds him down as much as it used to before. And now that we're a thousand years in the future and complete unknown, it'll be very interesting to see how he is as as you said, and as I agree with, hopefully as commander of the Discovery. I guess we'll see what happens. I sure hope so. I mean, I think that the character has earned it at this point. I think that that's where Pike was going um, at, during such sweet sorrow. But uh, but I guess uh, we'll see. Um, uh, there, there's a lot yet to happen to this character, and I'm I'm there for the ride. So uh, let's see what let's see what happens. Yeah, for uh, for your other things, I you know I was one who agreed with you with with Jet Reno. Um, I think she was a smart ass. 
And yep. I think that I think that she was in times and in places that it wasn't called for, not only for the episode's flow, but for just as a Starfleet op- officer. Now, there were some good moments. I liked the banter from time to time between her and um, and Stamets. I thought that sometimes those were pretty good. Sometimes they were a little overdone, uh, but other times they worked well. But I am not a fan uh, of the character either. Uh, I don't hate the character, but it's not someone that I'm like, oh, I hope we have a Jet Reno episode this week. I'm certainly not going to be like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and your May Ahern pick actually ties into one of mine. I did not like what I like to call the upside down. I didn't care for yeah. that too much. Yeah. Uh, when they were trapped halfway between um, the regular universe and the mycelial universe, I didn't really like that. It did give us back Hugh, which was a positive aspect of it. Right. Um, I just didn't like that whole storyline. And I agree with you that the whole way that it came about with with the um, May Ahern character with Tilly and so forth was a little a little, eh, a little meh, as you like to say. I think it's something that you say on Trek Geeks from time to time. Um, one of the other things, I didn't actually have five, Bill. I couldn't come up with five. Um, one of the other things that did um, make my list for bottom five was it sure seemed easy for um, Sarek and Amanda to show up on the Enterprise or on the Discovery when nobody knew where they were. Uh, when they came to, to – um, they didn't visit Spock or um, they were talking to Michael. Um, and then in the finale, everybody just seemed to show up when they were needed, um, whether it be uh, Saru's people or, or or the Klingons or whatnot. Now, it was great to see the Klingon cleave ship again, but it was just – I think it was a convenient arc to the storyline so that kind of pulled it down just a little bit for me um but the one thing that i wanted to talk about it's not my my bottom bottom five because the jump to the future was but we had way too much speculation in social media and everywhere else when it came to control and oh my god this is the borg and this and that i just thought that that the way that control was the way that it took over um, oh God, I can't think of Vance Brank's character name right now. Um, little, little, little. Leland. Thank you, Leland. Um, I thought it was way too Borg-like with assimilation. Um, and I thought that that took away from the story a little bit because people focused more on whether this was the Borg origination somehow, which makes no sense because the Borg have been around for millennia. But it still caused that conversation, and I think that took away from the season a little bit. So that was one of the things on the bottom of my list as well. Yeah, I lay that one squarely at the feet of uh, of fans that just want to talk about conspiracy theories and mm. and and wild developments. I mean, I I I appreciate some of the things they did. I, I thought that the the nanobot thing was a little too much. Um, but I, I thought that the speculation by fans was just a little over the top. There's no right. reason to expect that it would be the Borg a, at all. Um, going through the rest of yours, I, I have to agree. The Upside Down, I, I didn't mind that as much. I thought that was one of the most beautifully shot episodes. Oh, I will I will say, um, yes, special effects-wise, yeah. it was gorgeous. Yeah, it, it, The whole thing was great. I, I appreciated what it meant for us, but... Yeah, there were just some elements with it I, I could have done without. Um, and, and you're talking about the ease of the Vulcans and everybody else showing up just when they were needed. That's exactly why I think that the finale should have been an extra episode. I think three episodes would have allowed for some time because, you know, uh, Tyler says, uh, Captain, I'll be right back. And then 10 minutes later, it shows up <laughs> with a bunch of Klingons. Um, you know, it's – it's uh, and the D7s looked fantastic, by the oh, way. Oh, beautiful. Um but no, I have to agree with you on all that. Going back to, to Jet Reno for just one second. Um, a lot of people go, oh, there's a Dr. McCoy-like character. No, I'm sorry. Uh, no. Jet Reno is nothing like Dr. McCoy because Dr. McCoy was never intentionally a jerk. Right. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Uh, so, I agree. But no, buddy, I, I have to agree with the remainder of your bottom selections all around. I could throw a couple of other things um, in to either the top or the bottom. I, I really like the progression of Laurel. Mary Chifo, of course, does just a fantastic job. It was such an honor to have her on the show um, earlier this year and then meet her out in STLV. I love the look, the new look of her and the Klingons with the hair. I thought they did a great job with the makeup. I loved the fact of having Ken play another Klingon uh, in season two of Discovery. It was just fantastic. Cole and Cole too. And uh, I just, I just thought it was, I thought it was great. Um, but yeah, the, the Borg thing. Now I'll go off on a little bit of a tangent here. I may have talked about this before on discovering Trek or it might've been Trek geeks, but in a novel by David Mack, the Borg are actually created 
as something that takes place with a couple of Starfleet officers that get thrown back several millennia in time, and they actually become the first Borg. So while I can see while some people say, oh my God, is this the originator of Borg? It just didn't make sense. And it was a convenient and kind of a lazy way to to do this with the nanoprobes and the, or the nanobot or so forth. It just was something that I thought was, it caused way too much side discussion than was necessary. So that's probably one of the reasons I put it down in the bottom five. Yeah. It, it, okay. So uh, control could take, uh, you know, form of humans or any human. I, I think that it, it sort of cheapened the whole control experience to me. Sure. Um, it, it would have been much better if control was this impenetrable computer at this impenetrable, impenetrable base, much like we had earlier in the season. Right. Uh, I think that would have been more compelling. Um, and then the base itself becomes the thing to destroy and not necessarily a person, you know, you get away from having the, the big bad enemy and you, you know, you sort of make it a little less personal. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe it's more perilous that way. I don't know, but, um, what's done is done, right? Right. Where do you chime in with Michael's mother showing up? I'm, I'm still trying to figure out why, um, (laughs) Well, because, you know, we know that her mom wasn't any of the current red signals, the six that were sent. Mm -hmm. We know her mom um, showed up to young Spock. But aside from that, I I don't know of a good reason she showed up other than to get Michael the technology to become the red angel. Sure. Which seems to me like a bit of a plot stretch. Okay. I kind of have a feeling that we will see her next season. I'm not positive. I have nothing to base that on. I just think that it's going to be another possibly convenient thing that they end up finding her somehow. Well, but in the finale, they already said they were jumping to Terralesium 930 years in the future. So we know that they're going to be right where she's supposed to be. So uh, I, I think it's a reasonable expectation that we'll see Gabrielle Burnham in season three. Cool. Well, man, that's uh, some good tops, some good bottoms. Uh, you know, we said it a little while ago. The season was fantastic. It was. It, it was. There was so many great moments to it. I can't wait till it's back out on DVD. For some reason, I'll probably wait to watch it when it comes out on DVD because it'll just be funner. Makes no sense whatsoever. Kind of like the finale. But um, it's gonna be. It's gonna be. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be good to revisit it all because there was some great stuff. And once I see it, I'm sure I'll be looking forward to season three even more. This week's episode is brought to you by Fansets, the exclusive sponsor for Discovering Trek. And as always, we love to talk about their amazing line of pin products and collectibles because they truly are the best in the industry. When you place an order on fansets.com, you truly can be confident that you're getting the best products, the best prices, and hands down the best customer service anywhere. Lou, John, and the entire Fansets team truly do share the same passion for Star Trek as you and I do. And it shows with every single pin they release, whether it's a classic episode character like uh, Nomad from TOS's The Changeling to DS9's Gul Dukat or even the Picard family crest from the upcoming series Star Trek Picard, the detail and quality, Dan, are truly second to none. They are second to none, absolutely. And, you know, in addition to those beautiful pins that you mentioned, Bill, do you know that Fansets is closing in on 200 Star Trek pins? And that's just Star Trek because they got a whole bunch of other genres that are available. But for Star Trek, 200 pins. And there are some new ones coming out that are just on the horizon, and they are simply unbelievable. And they are things like this, dude. Discovery Season 2 Spock in his blue tunic from this finale of Enter- uh, on the Enterprise. Oh, yeah. Just amazing. Also from Discovery Season 2, number one from the Enterprise, of course, played by Rebecca Romaine. Uh, another Discovery Season 2, Commander Nan, is going to be coming out at some point. Can't wait to see that one and add it to my collection. Additionally, we have Captain Janeway where their trusty coffee mug is going to be out. Wesley Crusher. Not the Wesley Crushers, but Wesley Crusher uh, will be available. And I'm going to be interested to see if he's going to have that striped sweater or something different. That's going to be pretty cool. There's just a ton of stuff coming out. So be sure to check out Fansets on Twitter for even more coming attractions. Commander Riker, it's too soon for this. (laughs) Lovely. It's not too soon for a Wesley Crusher pin, though. So do yourself a favor and head on over to their website. Put a bunch of stuff into your shopping cart. And at checkout, be sure to enter the exclusive checkout code FUTURE. That's F-U-T-U-R-E in all capital letters. And you'll get 15% off your entire order at fansets.com. Well, since we've not gathered here discovering Trek for a while, we're going to keep this code available for an extended time. So this special code FUTURE will be available to use until Halloween night, October 31st, 2019 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. 
Fansets. We are Star Trek. And as always, we thank our friends at Fansets for being the exclusive sponsor of Discovering Trek. Long range scan of planet complete. That's like a whole month. That's awesome. <laughs> I know. It really is. It's a whole That's- month. Fansets is awesome. So, uh, a long range scan. Dan will be buying some more Fansets pins. I think that's 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 a given. That's my long range scan because as we are here now to talk about long range scans, Bill, uh, we've got two seasons under our belt. We've got season three coming up. It's a big unknown because they are a thousand years into the future. What is next for Discovery, man? Uh, so we're just gonna give some thoughts on what we think is gonna happen in a uh, good old season tray. Tray. Trey. <laughs> Trey Tr- <Tray> Seasons. Tr- <laughs> um, so is that my cue to go? That's a go. Okay. Um, someday, Dan, someday I'm going to go through and compute my abysmally low percentage on long range scans. But for now, the only thing I'm supremely confident in is that I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen in season three. <laughs> so if, if I'm going to just, you know, throw all caution to the wind, I'm going to say, here we go. Um, I will say that when the discovery reaches Terralysium, they're going to find things potentially even more different than they thought. And probably because of their involvement there in season two, perhaps a direct result. Um, I I just, I got a feeling that something's not going to be right. Hmm. Plus I'm going to say Gabriel Burnham, who I think we will see pretty early, will not be happy to see Michael in any way. Uh, I imagine there's, she's going to have some words with her daughter. Mama's going to be upset. Mama's not happy. And when mama's not happy, nobody's happy. <laughs> and then um, I mentioned this a little bit before. I'm hoping we'd see Alan Van Sprang again. But I'm going to say we're going to see control again somehow. I think it's going to happen. That's scary. Uh, I think that's the point. Yeah, that's um, very scary. I, now, keep in mind, um, I think I've gotten one right. <laughs> Out of the 29 episodes that exist of Star Trek Discovery. So I'm one for 29, um, I, I, maybe two for 29 tops. I think you got two. Um, yeah. Might be two more than me, though. <laughs> oh, it absolutely is. <laughs> I, going back to one of your points, I remember um, the episode with Tara Leeson. Wasn't it the second episode? Yeah. I think it was. When uh, they left and they gave that power cell to them. And then left. I'm like, that was not a good idea. I didn't know if that was something that we were going to come back to see during season two and it'd be a problem. But I totally can see it happening in season three, like you mentioned. I don't I don't think that was a good thing for them to have done. I, I think we're going to find out pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Because uh, we're going to get back there uh, pretty, you know, as soon as, as soon as they finish jumping. I mean, we assume that they show up right around Terra Elysium. Um, maybe they show up a little uh, somewhere else. I don't know um, because you know the, the suit's all brand new and stuff. <laughs> maybe it hasn't <laughs> been broken in yet. But I, I get the feeling that um, that they will have altered the destiny of that colony somehow. Yeah. Well, yeah. That that the suit is new. You know, if they don't get that one point twenty one gigawatts of power into that thing, that who knows what could happen. You're going to see you know, a, they, some serious bleep. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Well, I don't really have anything for my long range scan, Bill. I wanted to leave that to you because I know that you would come up with better ideas than I would. Um, I'm just my long range scan is that I am going to be turned and meaning the I have faith in the writers. I think they know what they're doing. They were given a very difficult task. But as we've seen with some of the writing in the first two seasons, they know how to handle stuff. And so I think that I am going to uh, at least as season three continues, I'm going to be okay with how things are. That's my long range scan. It's a positive one. And I hope it happens. I think your long range scan, you're going to be separated from more of your money by, you know, buying fins, pins and fan sets is probably even more accurate. Quite honestly, (laughs) you've got a hundred percent chance of that happening. 100%. Absolutely, man. So there we are. Season two wrapped up season two spectacular on discovering Trek wrapping up now. But, you know, we still have a quite a bit of time before season three kicks off, man. So we are going to be back. It is not going to be as long as it was between our last episode and this episode. So what do we got coming up, man? Well, Dan, we're working hard at bringing our listeners a very special episode in the coming weeks. We don't want to give anything away yet because it's still in the planning stages. But if the stars align, it's going to be glorious. 
Now, we also may talk about some other things in addition in the coming uh, months in advance of Star Trek Discovery Season 3. So uh, be sure to subscribe to us everywhere you find podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or you can head right over to discoveringtrek.com and get a list of pretty much everywhere we are and then some. Plus, now you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Network of Podcasts by subscribing to bonus content via Patreon. Get access to our exclusive content you're not going to get anywhere else. See our annual supporters pins from our friends at Fansets, along with so many other perks. That sounds awesome. And speaking of Patreon, Bill, we want to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek, and we are just so thankful for their support. They include Ken Tripp, Casey Shafsky, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, Craig Ewing, Eric Extreme, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Lionel Marchan, Matt McGonigal, Mike Bovia, Harry Michelson, Patrick Escudero, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ben Russett, Corey Stone, Ken Bird, Jamie Rogers, Dave Hood, and the lovely and talented Scott Vashon. If you would like to become a producer of Discovering Trek or even get raw audio to these Discovering Trek episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks. Well, man, thanks for sitting in with me again as we talk more Star Trek Discovery. It is always fun to have you on board. Can't wait for season three, man. Just can't wait. It's going to be pretty fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to diving in on some of these uh, comics that are maybe supposed mm. to explain what happens after Discovery leaves in, yep. in in the timeline we're used to. I hate to call it our prime timeline because it's all the prime timeline. Um, but uh, there's there's a lot yet to discover, and we're going to be right here doing it. Can't wait. Well, folks, that's it for us and our discussion on Season 2 of Discovery. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter to let us know what you thought about the season and Discovering Trek as well. We thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to us talk about the amazing new chapter in the Star Trek universe. And we look forward to sitting down again soon because we have some interesting things brewing for future episodes of Discovering Trek. Until then, here are some words of wisdom from Mr. Spock. Change is the essential process of all existence. And until next time, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original Star Trek. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, is a production of Trek Geeks, executive producer Dan Davidson. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out the Trek Geeks podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and trekgeeks.com. <laughs>